Welcome to the Be About Being Better podcast, where we help people make evidence-based, sustainable, small changes for their health that compound into huge shifts towards a better, more vibrant life. I'm your host, Abby Stacier, a health and life coach, future registered dietitian, a master's graduate from Columbia University, and a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I believe that we can't make lasting or meaningful change single-handedly, so I'm so happy that you're here so that together you can see that a diet-free, sustainable lifestyle is possible, and you can leverage that to live a better life. And remember my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give you general information and it's not meant to substitute or replace medical advice, a diagnosis, or service treatment. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Be About Being Better podcast. Y'all, do I have something for you today? I was recently gifted a book. Um, y'all are going to find this so hilarious. Like I find it hilarious. Y'all are so like, not everyone. Cause I think some of you appreciate that I don't know how to cook and that I don't like cooking. And I think some of you actually find it inspiring based on the couple DMS that I've gotten that have said this. Like, I think a lot of you appreciate that when I cook or when I prepare a meal, it's real. It's it's not Insta-worthy. I'm not one of those foodie accounts. And I really don't like cooking. And I use canned vegetables. I use frozen vegetables that I can throw in the microwave. I keep it easy. I keep it simple. I eat white rice at least seven days a week, aka every day. <laughs> That's my favorite food. Um, so I think some of you do appreciate that, that we're keeping it real here. But I also think that there are some of you out there that my cooking style AKA me like not being present in the kitchen, me jacking up the heat on something so it cooks faster. Like the fact that I have no patience, that I'm not really cognizant in the kitchen, that I'll literally go and record a podcast while something's cooking it and burning for two hours. I'm constantly setting off the fire alarm. Like that grinds some of your gears and you don't really like that. And this was a big point of contention in my last relationship. I'm not saying that that's the reason we broke up. But it did play a significant factor. <laughs> okay, not a significant factor, but it was definitely something that came up and was a point of tension like pretty frequently. I use a lot of oil when I cook, which really bothered my ex for whatever reason. And my cooking style sent him into literal fight or flight every single time I would go to cook. And so we couldn't be in the kitchen at the same time. So all of the cooking was then defaulted to me, which didn't didn't work very well. Like I needed some help when you're cooking for two, especially with how busy I am. So that caused some tension. But um, yeah, my cooking style definitely like would send him in a tailspin. Um, And I know that it like literally activates y'all's fight or flight as well. So um, I was gifted this book called Kitchen Smarts, Questions and Answers to Boost Your Cooking IQ. Um, do I need this? I think I've already proven that the answer is yes. So I started reading it. At first, I've had this book for a while. When I say it was recently gifted to me, um, it was back in 2019. Um, so not, not quite recent, but recent. And I've been avoiding opening this book for four years because I didn't think I needed it. I thought I was good. Or me being in my master's program at Columbia, me becoming a registered, I'd learn everything I needed to know. Well, turns out, no, 
this book has taught me quite a few things. And I actually think some of these things will show up on the RD exam. So we're going to go over, there's a little quiz in the beginning. We're going to test our cooking IQ. We're going to do this together. Now I will let you know my score was a 50%. So I only got five out of 10 of these questions, right? Um, but hey, I got 50%. Let's be glass half full. I honestly did better than I expected. So um, we need to spot the myth. So I'm going to read a statement and you're going to think to yourself, or tally for yourself, but if you're driving, obviously be careful. Is this true or is this a myth? And if you get more right, if you get 10 out of 10, right, you get 100%. All right, here we go. Number one, covering a pot will make the water boil faster. Is that a myth or is that truth? Okay, I feel like I should tell you if it's like true or false right now, and you, then you can tally up which ones you got right, which ones you got wrong. So just make a mental tally. Covering a pot, will make the water boil faster. True or false? Well, it turns out that that's true because it keeps all of the air just kind of circulating and it keeps the heat contained so it can heat up faster. Okay, number two, slamming the oven door or stomping your feet in the kitchen while a cake is baking will cause the cake to fall. I'll read that again. Slamming the oven door or stomping your feet in the kitchen while a cake is baking will cause the cake to fall. True or false? Think about it. Swish it around your mouth a little bit. Think about it. That is a myth. That is a myth. And they do give explanations on other pages. And I read that cakes are more resilient than you think. Now, if you're cooking something like an angel food cake, they're a little bit more delicate. But if you're just cooking like a regular Pillsbury whatever, um, or I think it said cupcakes, they, they're a little bit more fragile. But if you're just baking like a normal cake, like you're good, like relax. Okay, number three, you can safely eat oysters only in months whose name contains the letter R. You can safely eat oysters only in the months whose names contain the letter R, so like September, October, November, but not like May, June, July, August. This one surprised me a bit because I feel like my my dad, if you were to meet him, you would hear this within the first 30 seconds of meeting him. This is a fact that he would die on. He loves to say this fact and he likes to, to let people know that he likes this fact and that he knows this fact. Um, turns out, dad, I'm really sorry to um, burst your bubble, but that is myth. And my dad's reasoning for it is because in the warmer months, there's more bacteria. So you're more likely to get a foodborne illness. Like it's a food safety issue with the warmer months. But what this book is saying is that in most cases, like yes, that used to be a thing, but in most cases now, a lot of the oysters that we're eating are farm raised. So the conditions that they're being raised in are man-made. So we can control a lot of the conditions and just for food distribution, supply chain things, like we need to get oysters on the market all the time. It can't just be seasonal things. So they've made conditions that are more conducive for all months for oysters to be safe to eat, not just the ones that contain the letter R. So really interesting. So I don't know if I'm going to trust that, but that's what the book says. All right. Number four. You should never wash fresh mushrooms. And this is a myth. I forget why. Number five, the thin white lines on 
the skin of a chili pepper indicate how spicy the pepper will be. The thin white lines on the skin of a chili pepper indicate how spicy the pepper will be. Now, I'm not a spicy person. Um, I mean, I have some spice in my personality, but I'm not like a spicy food person, which is – okay, I understand. There's a difference between like spicy food and hot food. So I don't like food that's hot spice, but food that's like spicy that has spices in them, I do enjoy. So I don't really know much about pepper, so I didn't know what to say for this one. I said false. But what is it actually? It is a myth. I was correct. All right. Nice. So that is a myth. Okay, number six, adding oil to pasta cooking water will keep the pasta from sticking. Adding That's something I do. I always add salt, which makes the water hotter. It goes above 100 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which can take it longer to boil. But I always put oil in the water too to keep the pasta from sticking because I grew up in an Italian family. Like that's what you do. Um, Sorry, mom. That is a myth. I'm sorry to your Italian heritage, but apparently that's a myth. So I remember it saying, I'm not going to like read all the descriptions because the descriptions for all of these are pretty long, but it did say that when you rinse your pasta, the oil just leaves and it actually is harder for the pasta sauce to stick to the pasta if the oil is there. So that's where the stickiness comes into play, not the noodles not sticking together. And Honestly, and the water just kind of rinses off because water and oil don't mix. So I found that to be really interesting. Okay, number seven, cocktails taste better the longer they're stirred. I know that wine can taste better when it's allowed to oxidize, especially red wines, but I don't know about cocktails being stirred. That is true. Okay. All right, number eight, searing meat over high heat is the best way to seal in the meat's juices. Okay. That is a myth. Hmm. And I remember reading, I'm just doing like the answers by memory, the the whys. It said that they did a test in their test kitchen of a couple different ways, like searing the meat on high heat and then like doing something else. And basically the juices were kept in like both ways that they did it. Um, like if I think if you just cooked it normally on both sides versus if you sear on high heat, like it, the same amount of juices were saved, had the same amount of juiciness, didn't make a difference. Okay, cool. Number nine, you can regrow scallions or green onions by putting the roots in a glass of water, even if you've used up the green parts. And that is true. So you can regrow scallions if you put the ends with the roots in a glass of water. Now, it did say that you need to change the water out every day or two, but eventually it will grow. Uh, that's really cool. Okay, last one. When you cook with wine, liquor, or beer, all the alcohol evaporates and burns off. True or false? Oh, this is a myth. This is a myth. Now, I forget exactly why, but I think it's because it just doesn't burn off like all the way, but most of it does. All right. So that's cool. All right. So kitchen smarts, questions and answers to boost your cooking IQ. I felt like that was kind of good for good for today. We're, we're learning. Now, if you like this and there's quizzes every chapter, so we could, we could do a quarterly review. Let's see how we're doing. We could spruce these in every once in a while. And just know in a couple episodes, I've secured a guest, my friend, Sydney Naveed. She's going to come on and do an episode for us in the future 
on like cooking 101 type skills. What are the tools that you need to have in your kitchen? Like if you don't really like to cook, this is an episode that's kind of selfish for me because I really need these tips, but I know it will help a lot of y'all. What are the tools that at a basic level that you need to have in your toolbox? Like, Do you need to have certain knife skills? Do you need to have certain knives, spoons, and certain terminology? So at a basic level, what do you need to like function in a kitchen to like do basic meal prep? What spices should you have at a basic level? So I'm like, yes, this is what I need, especially moving into a new apartment. Like I've stocked up with a couple things, but I want to make sure that I really have those basic items and I'm using those in my you know, kind of weekly repertoire. So I'm really excited to bring her to the podcast. I think that'll be a really helpful episode for y'all. Um, today, we're kind of going off of this food theme. I'm going to give you some quick tips for picky eating. If you're someone that doesn't like fruits and vegetables, um, we're going to talk about that. And what are some tips to start to combat picky eating? Because I think everyone knows we should be eating fruits and vegetables. There's a lot of vitamins, minerals, fiber, healthy carbohydrates that are in fruits and vegetables that we just need. So we need to be eating these things. But what I will say is that you don't need to like every fruit. You don't need to like every vegetable, but you need to like a few. You need to eat a few and have those in your repertoire that you eat um, on a weekly or daily basis. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So tips for picky eating. And I'll preface this by saying that although I have a lot of tips for infants, if you have a child that's a picky eater. That's not exactly what this episode is geared towards, but if you want that episode, please send me a DM on Instagram and let me know because we learn about that a lot as we're working to be a registered dietitian. So I get a lot of that just through my degree program and my dietetic internship. So if you're interested in learning more about picky eating for kids in growing intuitive eaters and mitigating a lot of picky eating in children, let me know and I can do an episode solely about that. But this is more for adults. Like if someone was coming to me in the Be About Being Better Academy and I was coaching someone in like their mid-20s or early 30s, like someone that I would be coaching, what would I say to them? That's my picky eating tips will be going to them. And then also, what do you do and how do you eat if you don't have an appetite and you're just not feeling hungry? And maybe you're someone that's on like ADHD medications. You're on an appetite suppressant. Like what do you do in that case? Because you know you need to eat. What do you do in those instances? These are two common scenarios that I get a lot. Either you know, I get questions on TikTok or um, in my coaching programs, we have people that are on certain medications or are just picky eaters. So let's talk about some, some tips. And some of the tips overlap, but I want to, I just want to run through some of these. So first, if you are on an appetite suppressant, or if you're just going through like a hard time and you're like really stressed out and you just don't have an appetite. Like for me, I when I was going through my breakup, I was so go, 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 hustle, 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 just needed to move out, find a place, keep up with my internship, keep up with clients. Like I just needed to keep going. Um, so I was in fight or flight for literally three weeks straight. It was a very difficult time. And when I finally let myself feel, like I really, I was losing my appetite and eating on the fly as I was moving out and going through the breakup. But as soon as I settled into my new place, I finally let myself feel some emotions. Um, I basically didn't have an appetite for a whole month and it was very difficult, but I knew I still needed to eat. And you might be someone that's on an appetite suppressant medication and not able to eat. So what do we do? So one thing that really helped me, and this has helped a lot of clients, 
is to set alarms, to remember to eat. Because even if you don't have an appetite, your body needs fuel. So you have to keep reminding yourself of that. It's like, I know I'm not feeling hungry, but my body does need fuel. And our bodies love regularity. So you need to be eating on a consistent basis and eating around the same times every day because your body starts to expect food at that time. So it'll be easier to get your appetite back if you're eating around the same times every single day. So you want to be having three meals a day, one to two snacks would be preferable eating every maybe two to four hours, average three hours. And if you're someone that just gets really distracted or is really busy or is on that medication and isn't getting those hunger cues, then you need to set alarms so that you're starting to build that regularity for yourself. And If you're on an appetite suppressing medication, you might not have traditional hunger cues, but you might start to be in tune with those subtle hunger cues. Like, are you getting irritable? Are you feeling cold? Are you getting a headache? Are you kind of getting a stomach ache? Your stomach might not growl, but you might get some of these other symptoms that would be indicative that, that you are hungry and are hunger cues that are more subtle. So you might, once you start eating regularly and your body starts to expect food at that time, you might feel those more subtle hunger cues. So I want you to be in tune with those. And setting alarms will help building that regularity and giving you a push notification. And you might see that push notification and be like, I'm not hungry, but I need you to eat something. It'll also be important, especially if you're someone that is taking one of those medications, you've got to eat before you take it. Even if it's early, like you've got to eat something because you're likely to feel hunger cues at that time. And then, yes, you might feel really hungry after the medication wears off. You got to eat at that time because at the end of the day, like you got to try and make up the calories that you can. Then, when you're not feeling hungry, what can you do? Sometimes I find it's easier to sip nutrients versus eating something when I'm not hungry. So like a smoothie might be really satisfying and you can pack that smoothie with protein powder and fruit and vegetables and peanut butter, avocado. You can just pack it with so much nutrients to increase the calories, but you're still just sipping something and it doesn't feel like a lot, even though there's a lot in there. So it can be a really nutrient-dense, calorie-dense option that's easy for you to digest when you're not feeling really hungry. Soups are another option that tend to be easier for people. If you don't really want something cold, but you want something hot, you can pack that soup, add in your own vegetables. You can put kale or spinach in there. You can add collagen peptides, unflavored protein powder in there to add even more protein. You can get rotisserie chicken and add extra chicken, add extra protein in in the soup. Like You can really pack that soup to have even more nutrients in there. And I think that could be really helpful. So kind of sipping things and I think smoothies would be really effective during that time. And it would also be good for you to have nutrient-dense things or calorie dense things where it's a smaller serving, but a larger amount of nutrients. So that would be something like a spoonful of peanut butter, like any of our healthy fats, nuts, peanut butters, nut butters, um, avocado. Like if you had avocado toast, boom, so much, if you could get an egg on top for some protein, that would be even better. But even just avocado or peanut butter would be so, so great because there's so much nutrients and there's a lot of calories for a small serving. So any of our healthy fats would be really great for you. Hummus, peanut butter, avocado. Those are like our major three. Um, And nuts and seeds. That would be super good for you. 
And you could look up recipes for chia seed pudding. You might like yogurt or cottage cheese and maybe adding protein powder to that. Like I put collagen peptides in literally everything. And you could put collagen peptides in your coffee. Um, That can add some extra protein and calories as well. If you're not a cottage cheese person, you literally cringed when I said that. Look up recipes on TikTok for cottage cheese pudding because you could blend cottage cheese, which is a really – it's a low-fat protein source that is just so good for you. You could blend up that cottage cheese with a little bit of protein powder, with a little bit of milk like oat milk or almond milk or regular milk and a packet of pudding, like the powdered pudding. And you could have like vanilla pudding that has protein in it. And when you blend, like a lot of people don't like cottage cheese because they don't like the texture. Understandable. But if you blend it all up in the blender, it's just it ends up just being like pudding and it tastes like that. Oh, it's so good. You add a couple like graham cracker crumbs on there, a couple of banana. Mm, like a, it'll be like a banana cream pie, like, like the filling part. Oh, it's just so good. So I love that as a snack. And I think that that can be really, really helpful for people who just can't eat and don't have the appetite but still need to eat something where you can pack a lot of nutrients in for just a couple bites. And I would also think like, what is appetizing for you? Like when you do have an appetite, what are the things that you generally like? What are some of your favorite foods? Like if you know you need to eat something and you're like, well, I'll just cook chicken and rice, but that's not lighting you up and that doesn't have a pungent smell. Like sometimes our appetite increases when we can actually smell something. So that's why soups can be really helpful because those can be really um, comforting and warm and they have a good aroma. So I would ask yourself, like, what's appetizing for you? And is that something that you can meal prep for yourself? And oh, another idea I had was hard-boiled eggs. So underrated that you could easily meal prep them and it's great protein, great healthy fats that you just throw them back one or two bites Does and then you move on with your day. I think when we don't have an appetite, it's hard for us to enjoy the experience of eating because we're just not into it. But you know that you need to eat the food, so we just got to get through it, you know? And then I would make a conscious effort that when you are hungry, if there's days that you don't take that medication or if the medication starts wearing off or if you're starting to get your appetite back and you're not taking a medication, you just have low appetite, like start to enjoy the experience of eating again and slow down when you eat and be intentional with it. Eating shouldn't always be, I need to eat, so I'm just going to eat something we should enjoy the experience of eating. So when you have the opportunities to do that, make it a moment. Like let's romanticize it. Okay. Now switching gears. If you don't like vegetables, if you don't like fruit and you're a picky eater in that way, I want to remind you, this is just speaking to more adults that don't really like vegetables. I want you to ask yourself why and, and try and get deep with it and be honest with yourself because that's going to be part of your solution. Why is it that you don't like certain vegetables? Is it the texture? Is it the taste? Is it the smell? Is it that you don't really grab vegetables? They're not really calling your name at the grocery store because really in the back of your mind, you're intimidated by them and you're not really sure how to prepare them in the kitchen. In that case, you need to listen to our future episode with Sydney, who's going to give us some tips on what do we do in the kitchen. But if it's that, like I was on a coaching call with a client. She went through the academy a couple of years ago. And we I had that conversation. I was like, why don't you like vegetables? 
And she was good with fruit, but she did not like vegetables. And she was just like, Abby, like I am intimidated. I see a head of lettuce or a cauliflower, broccoli at the grocery store in the produce section. And I'm just so intimidated. Like, I don't know what I would do with a whole head of broccoli, raw broccoli or cauliflower. And I said to her, I was like, girl, I don't know what I would do either. That is intimidating. Um, If I wanted cauliflower or broccoli, I would go to the frozen food section where the broccoli florets, florets are already cut up and they're frozen and they're washed, they're clean, they're cut. And I put them in the microwave for four minutes and there you go. Or I would go to the canned food section and rinse it to take off like the extra sodium that they have. Um, Always rinse your canned vegetables and rinse your fruits and stuff. Um, And I would do that. I think sometimes it really is intimidating to see just fresh produce, but know that it's the same nutritional value in a can or in a frozen bag. And that is okay. And you can still have fruits and vegetables, even if it's not fresh. I think sometimes it is intimidating, but that's part of the solution. It's like, oh, then my client was like, oh, well, I'd be open to trying broccoli. Oh, I'd be open to having cauliflowered rice. It's like, okay, great. Like we could totally avoid that step. And yes, you could learn how to prepare those things. And we did go over some like easy ways on how to cook and how to, you know, knife skills, you know, as much as we could over Zoom. But so we worked on those over time. But in the immediate, I was like, if that's the barrier and it's not really the vegetable, then we got to be honest with ourselves about that. So that really helped with our solution. And it helped me to personalize my advice to her and my coaching because it wasn't really about the texture. It was that she didn't know how to prepare it. So, but for you, it actually might be about the texture. So in that case, I just want to let you know, there are so many fruits. There are so many vegetables out there. And like I I said earlier, you don't have to like every single one, but you got to pick a few that are kind of in your rotation. And I'm just going to take like carrots, for example. When people say, I don't like carrots, I don't believe them. You don't like carrots prepared anyway. Maybe you don't like the carrots that you've been served like mushed up carrots with no flavor, like that's probably disgusting. Or you might be like, ooh, a raw carrot, or like a little baby carrot just sounds gross. Like there's no flavor. It's just all crunch. I don't like that texture. Like you might not like that. But so when I say I don't believe you, it's like there are so many ways and so many forms of carrots that like there's got to be one that maybe you're a little bit more agreeable to. And maybe carrots just aren't your thing, right? You know, so maybe pick a different vegetable. But I, I like to talk about carrots because they can, you have the baby carrots, you can have them raw if you want to. You can dip that in ranch. You can dip that in hummus. You can dip that in peanut butter. So it kind of masks the taste a little bit if it's taste thing and then you still want to try carrots. So it's like you can have them raw and they're crunchy. So some people don't like like mushed carrots when they're steamed because it's too mushy and they don't like that texture. Okay, well then try them raw. Um, but if you don't like them raw, then maybe you do try them steamed. Maybe you do try them mashed. Or maybe you try them roasted. So if you don't like the taste of carrots, you might like the taste of them roasted because when carrots are roasted, they caramelize a little bit and they actually get sweet. So if you're someone that doesn't like vegetables because they're too bitter, you might actually like roasted carrots because they become a little sweet. So that's what I'm saying. It's like you can't just write off carrots entirely. And you can't just, you know, write off all vegetables because you tried one vegetable one way one time and you didn't like it. So we gotta we gotta be open to trying different recipes, different forms. And 
being okay with putting a sauce on it, like Brussels sprouts, for example, like you could drizzle honey on it. If you want to make them sweet, you could drizzle balsamic vinegar on them. You could put bacon in there and it gives it so many different flavors. You could cook something in the air fryer, in the oven or on the stove or add it to a stir fry and put teriyaki. Everything tastes better with soy sauce or teriyaki sauce. Just throw some teriyaki on it. Um, Makes it sound so much better and you still get the same nutritional value. So I just want to encourage you all to try things in a different way and start to explore in the kitchen. And just open your mind up like, could I like this? Could I try it? And also know it. And this is the same for kids too. Fruits and vegetables, and vegetables more than fruit because we have an affinity for fruit because it's sweet and we like that. And with vegetables, if they do have a bitter taste, our brain like senses that as a threat. We sense that as poison almost. So sometimes we do have an aversion to it because of the bitter taste. So a lot of vegetables we have an acquired taste with. So if you try something once, you might not like it. You probably won't. But if it's something that you want to keep trying, no more, you could always try it a different way, a different form and a different sauce to it, flavor it a different way or prepare it in a different way, change up the texture, mash it or something. Um, but you can also keep trying again because you will start to get an affinity for it and our taste buds change with time. Our bodies are so adaptable. So just know that if you try a vegetable once and you don't like it, I think there was a study done recently that um, said like nine or 13 times we have to try something to actually have an acquired taste with it. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, so you need to give yourself a significant amount of time and different, just repeated exposures to actually see if you like it. So to take comfort in that and give yourself some grace. If you don't like something, then that's okay. It might not be your thing. And ask yourself like, okay, was this so gross I could never eat it again? Okay, then don't eat it again. Try it in a different form. Try a different fruit. Try a different vegetable. Might not be for you. But if it's something where you're like, okay, that wasn't great, but I would be open to trying it again for a repeated exposure to try and get an acquired taste to it, then all right, good. I think that's in progress. I would say then, yes, try it again. But also don't force yourself to eat something that's just not not the vibe. You know, There's so many other fruits and vegetables out there that you could be having that it's not worth it if it's like really making you gag and you just absolutely can't stand the texture or the taste. Now, I know I'm going to get questions about this, so let me run through this real quick. Green juices and powders. Like I know like Bloom is out there. Um, like the greens, the greens powders, absolutely not. Y'all, these are stripped of all the fiber. Like, yes, the vitamins and minerals might be fortified in there, but it does not replace the real fruit and vegetable. And actually, there was a study done recently where they took the vegetables that had the, actually the, the natural vitamins and minerals in there in combination. And then they, you know, had something like greens powder where it was fortified with all the vitamins and minerals, the same vitamin and mineral count as the fruit and the vegetable, but it was in powder form and it was fortified and lab made to be put in there, but it was the same amount of vitamins and minerals. And people saw better health outcomes with the actual fruit and vegetable. We can't replicate how our body synergistically takes in all those vitamins and minerals from the real fruit, from the real vegetable and metabolizes that. We're not meant to eat greens and to, to replace different servings. And it's stripped of the fibers and our body metabolizes the vitamins and minerals from the fruit and vegetable better when it's in combination with those other things and from the real fruit and vegetable. So we got to make an effort in this. So DM me with any questions that you have about 
eating when you're not hungry and not having an appetite and not liking fruits and vegetables. And let me know how the journey's going for you. And if I can, you know, make another episode or at the beginning of the next one, follow up with any answers to questions that y'all have about this, please let me know. I hope y'all have a great week. And I'm happy that we increased our cooking IQ this week together. I love this journey for us. And I'll see you next week. Hey y'all, thanks again for listening to the Be About Being Better podcast. I so appreciate you. If this episode made you laugh, smile, think about yourself or your life differently, in any way making your life better, I empower you to share this show with three people who, just like you, need to hear this message and have this type of transformation in their lives. I personally read all the reviews of the show and see the Instagram story shares and honestly gives me so much joy to see that our mission is making people's lives better and the reviews really do help in increasing our impact so thank you so much for taking the time to do that if you need personalized support with anything discussed in today's episode or need help creating a sustainable diet-free lifestyle take my quiz it's linked below in the show notes and that quiz will help you see which one of our coaching programs is right for you thank you so much again for listening and here's to being about being better